0: Radio
1: Welcome to Team Robotol Edition 168 Flowing in Info with Wally Sherold Information is God perceiving Receiving and Achieving Flow in the Tao synchromysticism and its differences at the micro and the macro level these are a few things that this aquarius wants to chat about so we shall welcome
2: thank you glad to be here for sure dude Raphael, i was gonna say that was very bombastic but it felt like i don't know it felt like uh what do you see i mean it is what it's like symphonic kind of you know 18th century european classical music but with like technologically superior stuff being applied so it feels kind of an odd juxtaposition uh we can get into ta- dissecting that but real quick What we tend to do at the beginning of these episodes is talk about the cards uh, in the Major Arcana and the Galactic Heritage card deck uh, that this synchronizes with. This card will be the 15 card in the Major Arcana, the Devil card. I'm the Master Deceiver, and it is time to break the spell. This is about embracing your inner trickster, giving in to temptation, making choices based on impulse rather than desire, deceiving yourself, and feeling hopeless. Raphael, what would the Galactic Heritage be?
1: Here we got number 60. This is Sirius coming full circle, present timeline. In the ancient days, the Syrians placed code within our DNA to help us evolve when the time was right. That time is now. Humankind is awakening as the Syrians had hoped. Their task has come full circle. If you pull this card, then you have a connection to that ancient Syrian past. And because of humankind's awakening, you have recently completed a comic pattern held for thousands of years. You may feel subtle energies of completion, or you may feel nothing at all. But if you have any guilt about things left undone in the ancient past, it is not necessary to hold that pattern any longer.
2: So out of curiosity, Wally, did either of those cards resonate?
0: Yeah, I mean... um the idea of well i w- it's funny that you mentioned impulse uh as opposed to desire i, I tend to a, kind of equate the two at times at least m- at least my impulses are certainly are uh, seem to be uh based in my desires um but uh <clears throat> just in the last several weeks i've 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 consciously um Relinquished certain vices of mine uh, that were very much, or one of which was very much uh, based on deep desires, um, but weren't, but that was decades old and was actually not really very fruitful for me at all. Um, But that seemed to trigger a kind of crack in the universal egg and led me on. A very kind of life altering path just in the last several weeks. So, that's well, that's what's what so. up. Yeah, it's been pretty amazing.
2: We'll go in full circle on that one. Um, I don't know what you're particularly talking about, but I mean, for example, I used to grow cannabis and stuff like that and smoke most of my life, and I don't now. And, uh, that was one of them
0: for me, too. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Um, and I think it's beautiful. I think it's helpful. I think it's medicinal I'm always gonna be pro cannabis, but at some sure, level sure. it felt like my impulse to do something was actually uh Trumping in a sense or transcending my heart's desires or my 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 ultimate mm-hmm. high in my higher will or however One wants to put that in some way the way they're kind of you know It doesn't matter. Maybe Um, it's enjoy the ride kind of stuff, but at the same time mm-hmm. um, There's a plethora of options and operating procedures that one can do and um. Yeah, it's tricky. It's funny when uh, one comes full circle something like that, uh, and we tend to delude or deceive ourselves. I mean the devil is inside of us in that sense. So it's like one, it's like animalistic kind of urges. I think that's more the impulse where it's like, oh, my brain is saying to do this, and sometimes that's fine, and sometimes it's not. And it's people have to be discerning on their own terms but um, because we want to follow our impulses and learn from our mistakes. So like always saying no and never trying things, I think it's problematic. Yeah, eat the fruit eve check it out like see what happens but at the same time know that you're held responsible for the kind of consequences of your decisions and maybe they're not in alignment with the mission you signed up for or you know your uh, subconscious desires or whatever the fuck um Raphael, do, what did you think about those cards
1: oh, about the cards well yeah
2: or the situations we're ta- kind of talking about
1: oh sure i mean you know it's uh circles within circles and spirals and so on, the journey is different for everyone. Uh, Certainly, as we always repeat, you know, discernment is key. And uh, it's just like you said, also about saying, no, this gets into, I guess, uh, you know, consciousness, sovereignty, or even just psychology, you know, there's different perspectives, but the one idea being that the conscious aspect of ourselves actually mainly is, or, or at least also there as a control mechanism to actually say no, so to like filter all impulses through and then see which one to grant in a sense. So yeah, there's a lot there. And uh, I guess, you know, it's always good if individuals find higher levels of balance, whatever this may mean to themselves, right?
0: That's what took
2: right on, right on. Uh, Wally. Uh, last time you were on here, it was a shit show. There was way too many kid uh, cooks in the kitchen, and we even it's all had, good, all you good. Know, well, it's just funny our music on that fact. It's been a while. We're already at like what 170 about, and that was a hundredth episode, so we're still trucking through it. But uh, yeah, it's great. That was bizarre. I'm kind. Of, we don't have to talk about that right now, but I'm kind of curious. First, before I totally tangent out, what were your thoughts on that music? Because you kind of heard what I was saying. It felt like this kind of weird fabergé egg of like ancient techniques with modern tools or something
0: <laughs> yeah it was just kind of um a mixture of <clears throat> of of classical and electronica i mean that's it's fun it's nothing that new actually i mean you could even trace the origins of that type of hybrid back to uh a fifth of beethoven you know that disco, disco version <laughs> ver- version of beethoven's fifth um you know, that type of and, and even further back, you could look at um, uh, Wendy Carlos, the the synthesizer pioneer who did uh, switched that album switched on Bach, which was something that, you know, it was basically playing Bach pieces on a Moog synthesizer. And I think some of that was used in 2001 Space Odyssey. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's that's a, that's a tradition all in its own, you know. Um, i think
2: it makes me cringe i don't know why it feels disingenuous to both electronic music at least in that context that's why i was like oh wonder why Raphael picked that i don't care he's a libra with the northern aquarius he can do what he wants obviously but at some level i was like this sounds like a bad like final fantasy 20 soundtrack or something <laughs>
0: yeah it doesn't bother me i i um i mean i don't know how much you know about my music my creative music work but it is all about <laughs> the uh a massive boiling pot of of genres and, and acknowledging all of musical history, kind of usually within one song, um, and, uh, an appreciation for the full spectrum of musical culture, whether it's high or low. I mean, there's no, I don't really see any distinction. I I find, I find, um, really complicated intellectual music just as important as really simple popular music. Um, so both. from Beethoven to
2: kazoo orchestras, it's all good. Yeah. That's what's up. Um, yeah, what you said not neither high nor low brow. It made me think of pink from the wall shaving off his eyebrows. It's like, perfect. Uh, we have no eyebrows on this one. That's all good. And it's very Aquarian. And it's funny that you say that, um Beethoven's fifth the disco version, because when I was a kid, I mean, I'm 35 now. But when I was like five, my dad got this CD sampler of like classical music, you know, Bach, Beethoven, Brahms, all this kind of stuff like that and they had beethoven's fifth but it was the disco version and i don't know if that was like an easter egg or an accident or intentional or what but it was like literally you know straight up serious classical music and
0: then da 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 or whatever and we we're always like this is so yeah i enjoy that track i always thought it was fun it's it's funky um that's a that. little keyboard solo is dope. Da, da, yeah, da, da, yeah. Da, da.
2: I mean, it's super funky, but at the same time, it's, you know, whatever. It is what it is. It's kind of funny because I guess culture has to kind of um, crawl through evolution, but then at some point it becomes almost kitschy in a way. So it's like, sure, that's kind sure. of what I was saying about this stuff, where it's like, that might have been cool in 1995 or something, you know, like early on yeah. Or, yeah. or earlier. But to me, at some level, it felt like. I don't know, odd, but I don't hate it, but I don't love it. You see my point, life. Anyway, I know a little about your music career, but let us I just kind of want to get on record as much or as little as you want to talk about um, where you came from, how you got here. Uh, I know we sure. met up before in Boise and did the sync summit thing. That was a lot of fun. In fact, I'm going to link people to your contact presentation because I thought that was fascinating in and of itself. And anybody who's into Jodie Foster's contact film should definitely check this shit out. It's heavy, heady, weird shit, synchronistic stuffs. But um, kind of walk me through how you are what you is.
0: Uh, sure. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, uh, born and raised in Houston, Texas, and um was pretty aimless through most of my youth and, um, discovered at a relatively late age that I was fortunate enough to be given some, um, musical talent, uh, and, um, immersed myself in in that world pretty much ever since a little less recently, but, um, how did you stumble
2: uh, upon that? Were you like oh, fiddle on a guitar or like were you singing in perfect well, pitch i was in I,
0: choir uh i did i did i no I don't have perfect pitch um I have excellent relative pitch, which is almost is the next best thing um but that's just from years of training um i I did sing that was kind of my first instrument. I sang in choirs and musicals um and then uh got a guitar when I was uh, 11, 10 or 11 years old, and um, slowly but surely got a little bit better and better at that. And by the time I was probably 15 or 16, I had a teacher who uh, recognized that or acknowledged the fact that I was writing my own music on guitar that was not necessarily just- It's beyond stairway. (laughs) <laughs> you yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, just just in, it's instrumental pieces you know that were um, I never really got into the kind of singer songwriter thing, like you know, learning a few chords and 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 then writing lyrics and singing over it, that was never really my thing. uh, I liked to just write stuff on the guitar that sounded good to me, and this teacher I had she she was uh she hit her education was in composition, and she really encouraged me to explore music, you know, just music composition as a, as a wider topic, even beyond the guitar. Um, And from there, I just kind of kept, you know, finding myself in more and more advanced types of music courses or like summer camps or whatever through the rest of my high school years until I finally, my last year of high school, um actually my fifth year of high school which is a long story um i went to uh in houston texas a school called the high school for the performing and visual arts uh which is kind of like you know right out of like that show fame you know it's like a an arts high school um several um, one of the probably the most famous person that came, came out of there is beyonce <laughs> oh jesus um, yeah, she was there when I was there. I never, I never really met her, but she was a couple years behind me. You were on the um, quarter shredding guitar, and she's like, "Well, she, she was really hardly ever there." there. Ah, because she was already kind of—I uh, think Destiny's Child already existed by then, or she was doing something already. But she did; she was enrolled there, um, <clears throat> and uh, a couple other um, in the jazz community. Uh, people who have come out of there have gone on to fame and fortune um and so i was there as a jazz guitar player um although i never really um i never really invested myself in jazz uh by the time i actually started going there i was already very much interested in in composition uh classical like modern classical and and just general composition uh and got a composition private teacher and Um, and then found myself applying to music schools for college and went to, uh, Oberlin Conservatory in Ohio, uh, where I got a bachelor's in composition. And then I moved out to Oakland, California for graduate school at a little college called Mills College, um, and, and stayed out there and simultaneously got immersed in two different Scenes. Uh, One was my kind of professional life, which was doing music and sound design and just general audio uh, production for multimedia, video games, um, stuff like that, which is what I still do for a a job. I've been doing that for 17 years now. Um, So, like the the name Nobu Ubatsu
2: or whatever, Final Fantasy, dude, you know who he is. I mean, you're going to know a lot more about the fucking reality of that stuff but video game music is fucking dope so cool i, I mean yeah. i think i, I mean knew it's a huge, that, but i didn't realize that
0: yeah it's a huge world yeah that's my day job um i do less famous stuff than that i mean there's a zillion game companies out there and i've never i've, I've done a couple jobs just one one-off jobs on on larger kind of triple a titles like i worked on a guitar hero game not as a composer but actually transcribing the music that you play in the game and then programming it for like the way the gems fall down the the lane and oh right you with your fingers yeah that was a job i had i did i did that for the van halen edition of guitar hero speaking uh, of
2: which r.i.p eddie I know.
0: yeah i met him in the process uh so oh was, dude how is he it, cool was, was he cool yeah he was very friendly um i mean it was pretty brief you know Still, uh, oh, it's he, always fun to meet interesting monkeys on the spinning. rod. absolutely. And, absolutely. Um, no, and as and a guitarist, guitarist. Yeah. <laughs> he's a he's he's an icon. Obviously, I don't we don't need to belabor that point any more than anyone else has. But, um, but uh, for the last nine and a half years, I've been doing, um, composition and sound design for online games, uh, and um, it's fun. It it really allows me to kind of stretch my versatility and having to write in a lot of styles that I would not even go out of my way to listen to, but I'm forced to try to compose and create a music in a style that, in an authentic way, so that as if I did like that music and and make it it sound authentic to someone who does like that music, which is a great challenge. Um, Ultimate moccasining in that sense. Ultimate what? Moccasining.
2: (laughs) Moccasin, like wearing the shoes. It's like, I don't love this stuff. Yeah, exactly.
0: exactly. It's I mean, it's had an interesting effect on my general perception of music, you know, because like you kind of you're you do that. You've done it. You do it as long as I've done it. And you kind of get this numbing effect in terms of like your personal emotional response to all different styles like people like just like you were saying like like certain things make you cringe and other things make you you know very happy for me i've had to almost like turn off that that kind of instinctual response to music because i'm working in all of these styles that that would make me cringe you know but i have to i have to like internalize them anyway and 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 learn to appreciate them and it's been fun i mean don't get me wrong but at the same time it, it messes with your head a little bit after after many years. i mean does
2: it make you jaded or how do you how would you qualify that like do you just like um, pavlov would be like oh shit he doesn't respond the same way or how are you how are you dissecting this you i've know, had like periods
0: yourself? of period- i've i've had periods of jadedness yes um but uh i mean i mean where I'm at right now in my life, music is not central to, to me. It's just, it's become kind of something that it's, it's a job. I don't spend almost any time listening to music for the, for the pleasure of it because I'm doing so much. I've spent so much time listening to music for, for work. So silence is actually preferable to me these days. Um, interesting what uh, snaps yeah, you out yeah. of those jaded places i
2: mean i mean i guess you're not listening to you know beyonce's new thing like black is king has some interesting music on it stuff like that um you i mean is it the kind of thing where you just trained as a spartan so hard that you know to pick up the sword you'll do it when you have to and it's kind of that i don't want to say ruined it but it's like it seems it's compartmentalized maybe that element of reality for
0: you compartmentalized is a, is an excellent word to describe it and i would say that it it hasn't ruined it for me i still you know, get excited. And, and I take great pride in the work that I do. I, it's not that I, you know, I've trained my mind to, and just enforce myself to really appreciate any, any, you know, every style of music, there are good and bad examples, right? And usually, usually, you know, every genre has a kind of an archetype, right? And it's, and, and, and that archetype kind of came about before the name of the genre even existed. And then everyone came along and copied it, and thereby, thereby the genre term emerged, right? Um, there's actually a great Herbie Hancock tune from the late 60s that I have identified as the archetype of Muzak. And I don't like Muzak. Most people don't like Muzak, but this piece is amazing. It's called Tell Me a Bedtime Story. Go listen to it, it's gorgeous. And but it really sounds like what everyone else is copying when they're making music, you
2: know. Herbie's um, one of my favorites. I used to drive around in high school to Thrust, yeah. And
0: yeah. oh, other, Thrust! Uh, is such a, I love that album. It has one of the coolest album covers of all time. Um, but uh but <clears throat> I mean, as far as you know, we I could I could monopolize this talk with just music discussion. But I think what's relevant to the larger topics that this podcast is interested in is that starting in in college i was introduced to the kind of experimental and avant-garde realm of contemporary classical composition um, which is compared to the other fine arts like painting or literature or film or whatever it's relatively obscure because most of it is very much an acquired taste to listen to it's so abstract and crazy um but i mean th- the equivalent of like jackson pollock and abstract expressionism and film in, in in painting it very much exists in in avant-garde classical music and so like planet of, it
2: of the ape soundtrack or like give me some examples of what you're talking about because there's uh i'm, I'm talking about like, about
0: like well modern. planet of the apes is 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 skimming the surface that's like that would be that's a intro commercial. level <laughs> yeah that's a commercial composer you know exercising his avant-garde chops i would say um, you know that would be a light version of what i'm getting at i mean i can send you some links of some really intensely crazy stuff um and some of it is honestly unlistenable you know it's just too it's just it's academic in that sense it's very yeah like it's very academic yeah. Um, but th- so there were a few a few individuals in that whole scene in the in the 20th century that really, you know, pushed the concept of composition at, and, and started breaking down just the very idea um, of, of composition and, and equating it to universal composition, just the, the nature, just the fundamental um concepts underlying how all things come together and are connected like
2: schoenberg and twelve-tone system stuff like that kind of thing
0: yeah that's that's a precursor to what i'm talking about but that was the beginning that was the beginning i would definitely identify that schoenberg as the first person who devised this system that completely broke uh, away from the tradition of classical music, where you could you had a tune and a melody, and it sounded relatively nice. You know, Schoenberg broke all of that apart and created this very mathematical system um, that to that was the underpinning of the structure of his piece of music. I mean, previously it was all about here and then it goes that little that little germ of an idea. Would be developed, you know, theme and variations throughout the whole course of the piece, right? And and you would judge the integrity of a work on how well that that had been carried out. And this and Schoenberg introduced a whole different system that produced very difficult music to listen to, uh, but
2: had. Do you this, think that's m- postmodernism rearing its head for the first time, kind of in that sense?
0: No, that's that's strictly modernism. Postmodernism right. and music, post-modern in, in postmodernism in music didn't emerge till the '60s. Um, this is in the 1910s and 20s. Um, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of remarkable to consider. You go back over a hundred years now and listen to the emergence of the musical avant-garde and the, sh- the stuff that they were doing even back then it sounds completely bonkers today. Still um, doesn't
2: no. sit well with the general psyche. No, I'm kind of it wondering doesn't. what your impression of what it represented in the Tao at that time. That's kind of what I was getting at. Maybe it doesn't. It's not explicitly quote postmodern, but like, um, you know, the Rite of Spring or whatever made people riot, and then nowadays people are like that's pretty cool. It's like, well, is it just you know, a mental, you know, you know eddy in a, the consciousness.
0: As a side note, that is a bit of a myth. Uh, oh shit! Pop the bubble. Um, it's true, a riot at the premiere, there was a riot, but it, it was not the music that caused the riot. It was the choreography. Oh. Um, and in fact, the music was inaudible because people were screaming. <laughs> you couldn't hear the music. Um, this is a, this is a, it's a, it's a great legend that people love to tell. And I've, I didn't under, I didn't learn the truth about it until I read you know, a lot about the history of that piece and discovered that it was actually, because of the, the original choreography of that ballet was completely groundbreaking. And if you see a, rec- a, re- uh, a reconstruction of the original choreography performed, it it doesn't phase our eyes at all because you know what it looks like is like a Janet Jackson video. The motion, the, the, the dancing is a very, like angular and 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 jagged kind of sync with the music, which was completely unheard of in ballet. Ballet dancing is usually this very pirouettes fluid, and grace, very fluid thing where you're not really seeing this this tight tight connection with the rhythm of the music. And Rite of Spring is very rhythmic you know, and they're doing this stuff up there, like, and they're jerking around right in time with the music with these really like completely unorthodox mo- movement. And it, was the, it was, and it was also the subject matter of the ballet, a, a virgin sacrifice that, that people were objecting to. So it was the dance and the, and the story that actually triggered the riot because Stravinsky came back a year later to Paris and performed a music only version of the Ride of Spring and they carried him out at Hero. He was an instant celebrity. Um, they loved the music. The music is, you know, was not the trigger. Um, That's
2: interesting. It reminds me a yeah. little of kind of like psychedelic music. The sixties can be put to like you know, uh, um, very kind of multimedia sensatorium kind of things like lava lamps, whatever. And it totally does change the experience. I mean, it, it does. It all it can overwhelm and distract. It can also create you know higher levels of aesthetic or something like that synesthetic sure, aesthetic sure, kind sure, of stuff. Sure. So it's funny to think. I mean Paris one would think especially at that time was very, you know, chic cutting edge whatever like hey they were and they were. for the uh, what whatever monkeys were having a bad day that day started some shit it seemed.
0: Right. Well, the thing is is that music had already started to veer pretty pretty, you know, to the left into the into the out there realms 10 years prior to the Rite of Spring. Dance had not the dance of that ballet really was a breakthrough and nothing ever like it had ever been seen before. So um, yeah, it's a common misconception. I mean, it, most people, it hasn't really been corrected in terms of like the, you know, the public in the zeitgeist. It's still kind of it's
2: fake um, news. It's
0: still swimming around. It's fake news. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Well, anyway, that, um,
2: that's something that we could tie it in. Uh, you, one thing that you talked about on uh, SyncBook before, and it's fascinated me is like information technology the sense of you know degradation of info and it's in a sense what you're kind of saying is like there's a truth like something happened and it's ironic because i think it's kind of like a hexagram that's not typical and it popped up in that time space but the myth of what happened is not at all i mean there's static on the wire so to speak there's always noise there's
0: always some noise element and like um i've all like when i learned about information theory and that like the science of information and how, you know, they basically proved that noise is an inescapable, um, uh, it's element like data is, entropy. Well, yeah, it can't, it, uh, it will, no matter what, it will always be introduced into the transmission of information somehow. And noise, you know, is often, um, the pers- the interpretation of the term is all is often kind of too limited in its interpretation that they just mean distortion or, and or or some kind of you know uh, interruption of the signal or something like that. But uh, what I mean as, as noise is as broad as you can imagine. And anything that impedes your ability to, to, to convey an idea over, over some channel to a receiver. So whatever it can be, it can literally be somebody, something blocking your view, or, I mean, it can be an object. It can be, it can be a piece of information you don't know. I mean, I've always talked about, you know, the way that motion pictures were invented was because of noise, but a a very figurative way, um, sense of the term. And that basically these, the, these two people were placed a bet about whether or not, a, when a horse is running whether or not it lifts all four hooves off of the ground at the same time so they invented so these were two rich men in France I believe uh invented or, or set up this series of cameras um and 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 took a, a rapid series of photographs of a horse running by the by this setup of cameras and that's that was that literally was the the primordial act that gave rise to the moving picture. And the the noise in that scenario was their inability to see. I mean, literally, because like they're looking at the horse and they can't tell. And that's the noise. That's the thing that's impeding their ability to, for the, whatever the horse is doing, it, it's not getting to their eye properly. Something is getting in the way. And it just happened to be speed. The speed at which the horse was running was too fast. It, it was just a blur. Right. So the limits of the of the of the capacity of the human eye uh, was was the noise in this equation. And so they solved that problem uh, by by, you know, relying on machines. Um, But, yeah, I've always my interest in in that has always been not communication as much as miscommunication, the causes of what are what are the causes of um, of uh, misperception or 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 miscommunication um because something is always it's always going to be lurking it's the little demon that's always lurking and going to get in the way and the and, devil and, and the details and, per se the devil. right i'm curious though do you
2: presuppose that there is a um and like uh, what you're saying is kind of like there's a there's let's just say and then there's deviation from it whether it's perceptible or whatever the issue seems to be or do you think the nature of that thing is going from one pole to another pole of like absence of ness or something. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, is there kind like of. a black hole would be like complete noise, I guess. <laughs> and it's just like, well, that's just the state of that pole. Whereas, you know, a
0: white yeah, that's a that's is... a that's a great way to put it. A black hole is is almost a noise magnet. I mean, it or it's just a, it's like, it's a chaos um, incarnate it's the ulti- or whatever. It's, it's it's noise incarnate. It is the ultimate manifestation of noise because it sucks. It 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 it, it erases information in a sense that's the only way that information is ever lost is in a black hole right i mean physical information um i'm not a physicist obviously but but um you you know light McLuhan called light pure information right and light is no match for a black hole um but i think um what you're getting at is like what's the
2: necessity of each are we are we anthropomorphizing light as the good and like Degradation as bad, or is that just like a frame in the 12 tone system? And it's like one of these fucking patchworks is the most chaotic, and some of them are the least. And we tend to do better in certain situations where we can communicate effectively. But you see what I'm kind of saying? I don't, I'm not really making a moral judgment. I'm just kind of curious is what your presuppositional framework with that is. Because I guess the idea with like science, progress, technology, and even with the video, um, the origins, of the motion picture, it's like we want to clarify something. Well, the case was the matter. And then they perceived a need to punctuate the moments, like I guess parameters and they use technology to do it, whatever, whatever Um, it wouldn't, I wouldn't put a moral framework. Like it was, I mean, I guess a Buddhist or a Christian or something might say they were in ignorance and they rose out of the ignorance to a lesser degree of ignorance. Um, But that starts spinning in a more way as opposed to like the nature. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling, but you see what I understand what you're
0: saying. And I think that, I think it's appropriate not to apply a moral judgment on it. I mean, to put a Buddhist angle on it, you could say that suffering, suffering is noise, suffering is something that is inevitable, right, and is, and is something that we must come to terms with in, in, in life, Um, just as much as there's always going to be some element um, of interference in that, in anything that we try to to do because ex- existence itself, uh, uh it mean, could it be would, interference would, by nature, yeah. Well, I mean, that's I mean, the, the gnostic like, sense. We, like exist the fell into it, the distortions. we exist because of noise, mutation is, is the introduction. If I
1: may, maybe to uh, provide yeah. an interesting angle on this, uh, in terms of you know what is noise, it's fascinating to consider you know, there is always noise introduced yep. because of our technology, even. The way speech is structured tower of babel all of that however on the other side let's say of the polarity as i understand we also very much need noise and as i understand one of the ways is even through some kind of sound based system that uh, random numbers are actually generated through noise i mean there are technical implementations with coding but ultimately there is also some variance where this is actually gained i think through actual sound patterns or something. I think now on modern computers, it's mostly a coding thing. But yeah, so I just want to say that although it's seen as a a distortion, if you want to create randomness, it's also very uh, important.
0: Absolutely. And I think that it's interesting. Well, I I agree that we need noise. Um, I was just saying noise is the is the fundamental driver of mutation in, in evolution. We're only here because of noise. And um, I think, what was I going to say? Well, it's interesting you bring up random, randomization. Uh, and re- it's because int- because human beings are, are not necessarily comfortable with true randomness, because sometimes it, it doesn't appear random. Just by pure chance, something By based on human perceptual uh, pattern perception, it may seem unrandom, you know, and this is an actual thing that happened with um, Apple computer Uh, when they introduced the shuffle feature in iTunes. People complained too much that every now and then it would play like three songs in a row that's that were by this like right off of the same album or right off of the same track order and just by random chance. And so they actually had to adjust their shuffle algorithm to make it less random because the human perception of randomness from time to time um, would not agree with it, with this, with, you know, it's like, that's not random. That's three songs in a row from the same album, but it just randomly did that
2: they couldn't accept it they're just
0: like this they is couldn't too- accept it <laughs> it's
2: funny because this is the devil card episode that is a random punctuation of it in that mythology where it's like and the garden was perfect and then all of a sudden not so hot uh mm-hmm. you know distortion and communication lies or what you know whatever the story says and it's funny that's kind of what i was getting at earlier where it's like some people would say you know we were like in a gnostic sense maybe would be like it was perfect or even in a polking kind of um selmarillion sense it's like the song was perfect, and then. <laughs> this one dude started singing out of tune and tritones and all sorts of shit. And mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't, I think we're coming to a place in our own psychological evolution where we can accept the totality of it. And that maybe <laughs> is the healthy place to be as opposed to running like in the movie Hook um, when Rufio is versus Peter Panning and they're trying to decide who to go. It's like, I think people tend to like do that with. I and mean, I'm guilty of this too, with like preferences where they say we prefer this, like just like the Righteous Spring, like or the Right of Spring, uh choreography, rather. They were like, We don't prefer this, so they freaked out. Um Right. right. We're maybe coming to a point where we've evolved uh, you know, an ability. I don't know if it's going through the fucking cellulative Kubrick or what like what defines it, you know, but like it seems like we've gone through a stargate of perception where we can accept uh chaos in a sense as a substrate. Maybe. I
0: mean i have you know i think cuz chaos as a substrate um it perceptually would would be information overload in a sense i mean i think like you were talking about preferences and people being confronted with something that maximally uh o- you know overpowers their preferences it triggers them into You know, it agitates them into a state of rage, but also like when you think about, I have a theory, I have no idea if there's any medical basis in this, but this, the, the medical condition of shock, I think, is when a human being is exposed to an over an overdose of new information that they just cannot process. And that's the basis of information theory is that the way you measure information is how much surprise it contains, how little versus redundancy, right? I mean that's literally the method which we use to measure the size of of a of a file on our computer, how many megabytes is it, right? It's based on how much new information it contains. And that's why we have the news, you know. And I think when a human is in a situation that is so profoundly overwhelming like they see someone get mutilated right in front of them that's just something that is just that's just information overload and they go into shock I mean their brain has to literally reboot you know, or compartmentalize
2: that's the whole like Sybil kind of thing you fracture sure
0: sure um, well and I think that's that's, people- a, that's a an after effect of that of that initial trauma it's like a coping
2: skill it's like oh i'm just gonna mute that track and not focus on it well it's funny because because we're sensitive like our senses are limited in terms of what they can and you know witness in a sense uh there's frequency bandwidths we can't hear past the spectrum it's like it's all howling like it is like the life itself is this constant present moment of overload if you want to put it that way and then we've been fine-tuned to be able to perceive levels of it and we have i guess sine wave punctuationalism or something like that where it's like we find norms then we punctuate then we get a new norm and punctuate i mean that's at some point you know there was no eyeball on earth or or presumably or something like that and then i guess things adapted and then you have eyes you see what i'm saying it's like that it's always changing and we adapt to it but if we were to have some like you know this actually is well addressed in the anime um um full metal alchemist if you were to like witness things fully as it is it like you couldn't handle it like you'd disintegrate exactly, exactly, so we yeah. have to like temper it and like distort it ironically the true sound of ohm or whatever into right, right. digestible chunks
0: well no i'm glad you brought that up because i've thought about this a lot in in the terms of the human capacity um i mean it's a great time that we live in because the average person on the street now is familiar with basic terms of 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 computational input and output like we understand this idea of bandwidth and we understand this idea of um memory storage and what you know capacity right like that we that we have on our phone or whatever do i have 5g and do i have 120 gigs of ram or whatever and when you think about it The human body is a, is, is a computational machine in the same way with very, very low bandwidth, right? The eyes have a particular bandwidth. The ears have a particular bandwidth of which they, how, you know, there's only, there's a frequency spectrum that they can perceive and outside. And, but we have learned that beyond those frequencies, there's a lot of activity that is just, we have to rely on tools and instruments to to tell us, to translate them into a frequency range that we can perceive. Right. And, um, well even like the devil card being like you guys are gods but it was like beyond our comprehension
2: or whatever at the time we're like what um in that metaphor story because it's because it's simultaneous the case is the matter that it's all happening whether we as finite kind of filters of the Tao, can handle it um is different and it seems i mean i don't know about your presuppositions in terms of ontology and stuff but it's like it seems like we're well situated in a kind of sliding scale thing and it's okay, it's it's wanting to know more through the experience of mutation and a built, like the like increase in, in handling or whatever like that.
0: Yeah. Oh absolutely. I mean, as far as the Tao, I mean, I'm I'm not an expert on Taoism, but I I have uh been directed towards the Taoist concepts of flow, which is one of the things I the topics I mentioned. Um and and also this relates to the, to the notion of personal versus cultural synchronicity. Um, And this is, and this has been my experience, um, but it seems to me that what I have learned over the last several years, where I've been hyper aware of these types of things and these phenomena is that there does exist a potential in human beings to tap into this ongoing stream of phenomena that is happening all around any one of us at any given time, any, and, and, um, this is often misinterpreted by, you know, psych- psychoanalysts as symptomatic of, of schizophrenia or something like that. But I've, I have had fleeting periods, um, where, I have this hyper-awareness of any form of stimuli that I can perceive, whether it's a bird chirping outside my window, whether it's an email arriving in my inbox, whether it's my wife coming up to talk to me, whether it's a, a car honking you know, d- down the street, anything that I can perceive um, is actually, Valuable information that I can use, and there is, and 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 there is the potential for any person to develop a, and master this kind of instrument of perception to the point where they are basically walking through reality, experiencing it like Neo in, at the end of the first Matrix, where he sees everything in code, where every fragment of your perception has some underlying meaning to it that can guide you and on and you can literally ride that wave like a surfer and that is my conception of taoist flow is when you can tap into that stream and and utilize every single stimuli that your mind and your consciousness is picking up no matter how big or small or insignificant uh, it may seem as, like you patient, uh, uh,
1: uh, as you mentioned, as you mentioned schizophrenia, and on the most, I do conscious channelings, and in the most recent sessions, quite a few, actually only new individuals turned up, and it quickly came, became apparent that the topic was going to be psychosis, and mm-hmm. uh, you know dealing with psychosis and perspectives on psychosis. That idea that came through basically was very simple. Uh, The idea being, of course, it's a great question, who is determining you to be psychotic? What is their own boundaries of their own thinking? And can they relate to it? And one of the um, questioners also mentioned that for them, it actually more felt like a shamanic or trans states. But of course, a doctor who is not used to ayahuasca or whatever, is just going to say, Oh, you know, you're psychotic, take these drugs, right? Exactly. So that's um, what I've
0: been told. (laughs) to yeah okay
1: great and maybe to relate all of this and to provide some you know heavy historic reference if you would like i would read three paragraphs from um aldous huxley's doors of perception because he's talking about exactly that about psychosis and also about um perception and information overload and you know Uh how we deal with this individually kindly if you may mute yourself just so that i'm not distracted by Uh any background noise talking about noise so this is a recurring (laughs) subject here as well Thank you so much. So here it says, in Aldous Huxley's Doors of Perception, page about 16. Most takers of masculine experience only the heavenly part of schizophrenia. The drug brings hell and purgatory only to those who have had a recent cause of jaundice or who suffer from periodical depressions or a chronic anxiety. If, like the other drugs of remotely comparable power... Masculine were notoriously toxic, the taking of it would be enough of itself to cause anxiety. But the reasonably healthy person knows in advance that, so far as he is concerned, masculine is completely innocuous, that its effects will pass off after eight or ten hours, leaving no hangover and consequently no craving for a renewal of the dose. Fortibi- fortified by this knowledge, she embarks upon the experiment without fear. In other words, without any disposition to convert an unprecedentedly strange and other than human experience into something appalling something actually diabolical confronted by a chair which looked like the last judgment or to be more accurate by a last judgment which after a long time and with considerable difficulty i recognized as a chair i found myself all at once on the brink of panic this i suddenly felt was going too far Too far, even though the going was into intenser beauty, deeper significance. The fear, as I analyze in retrospect, was of being overwhelmed, of disintegrating under a pressure of reality greater than a mind, accustomed to living most of the time in a cozy world of symbols could possibly bear. The literature of religious experience abounds in references to the pains and terrors overwhelming those who have come too suddenly, face to face, with some manifestation of the Mysterium Tremendum. In theological language, this fear is due to the incompatibility between man's egotism and the divine purity, between man's self-aggravated separateness and the infinity of God. Following Böhme and William Law, we may say that by unregenerate souls, the divine light at its full blaze can be apprehended only as a burning purgatorial fire. An almost identical doctrine is to be found in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, where the departed soul is described as shrinking in agony from the pure light of the void, and even from the lesser tempered lights, in order to rush headlong into the comforting darkness of selfhood as a reborn human being, or even as a beast, an unhappy ghost, a denizen of hell. Anything rather than burning brightness of unmitigated reality anything
2: well shit there it is i mean the Dao that can be named is not the Dao, and it seems that which is is and it's got an infinite number of bandwidths and when we start kind of punctuating through those um our symbol sets and our reason and everything starts freaking out to the point where we try to hide from it
0: absolutely wait am i unmuted yeah you're good you can talk okay <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's great. I haven't read that book particularly. Aldous Huxley's obviously kind of a psychonaut's uh, friend or whatever. It's
1: publicly available. It's a really short oh, yeah. read. It's highly recommended. My mom recommended. gave me
0: that book. My mom gave me that book to read when I was a teenager. It's crazy. Yeah, mom. A, that's heady <laughs> She's a psychiatrist, so.
2: Well, she's on the right. wave. I mean, if she kind of yeah. oh, for sure. well, you
0: know, I mean, <laughs> she's so on her it's wave. Kind of a, Let's put it out. It's kind of an outlier in my uh, in my uh, upbringing, but but that did happen. <clears throat> but yeah, that's I, that's very relevant. Thank you. Yeah, the only
2: Huxley that I've read is Island, which is a really good fictional book. If people haven't read it um you haven't read
1: brave new world isn't that like mandatory no, or something
2: i should have probably because of schools but i haven't no, i read it in eighty four, nineteen eighty four, 1984 but not brave new world i prefer brave new world to that's new world. what i hear everyone's yeah. like oh it's about like drugs that turn you on to like i mean it's kind of like what our modern world is where it's like you know just tweak your chemicals and just do this that the other and
0: stratification they're i think they're doing you know. a a new show of, of, or an adaptation of Brave New World as a as a TV series coming out soon. I think I just saw an ad for that.
2: So it sounds like your preference, especially musically, um, given what I know little about the music you make and stuff, is that you don't mind sticking your head into the howling, all of it. Um, how do you, Wally, kind of, step down from the pure awareness yourself like I, I do think synchronistic because let's put it this way everything is synchronized right in a, some yeah. weird way yeah. and then it, yeah. it's a matter of the ability of one person at a certain time space to apprehend these things and then their choice also at some level so it's like you can go further and like you know come into like Lieutenant Dan moments of gnosis if you deal with the storm or whatever but a lot of people get scared about the storm and then it get you know gets into like um, you know we listen to our old our own old Georgie in a sense, um, which is kind of like a devil card, I guess. But in cloud Atlas, old Georgie is this like primal fear where it's like, Hey, don't do that. You're going to get fucked up or whatever at some level. And it's like, It's, it's not untrue, but it's like, you know, it's leaning into a certain statistical kind of, arena or you know quadrants like there's more than right. a quadrant but like it's 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 for self-preservation that it you know makes that more explicit um what are your thoughts on anything i'm saying and what i kind of asked in terms of like how do you surf the dough
0: uh it's well it's it's very dangerous i mean i i have had some very bad experiences uh trying to ride those waves in the past um and it is it is something that I think, in my experience, most people who have who have chased that have it has not ended well for them. I think the people who have succeeded in chasing that and 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 being able to maintain that wave indefinitely are not necessarily the type of people who who make that readily apparent. Um, I think that my my biggest mistake in the past, when I even saw that wave coming at me and 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 became aware of my desire and intent to ride it, um, the mistake I made was this overwhelming sense of urgency that I had to alert everyone else of its impending arrival or that it's already here, and I I was I felt you know i in hindsight i feel i was very misguided and in and, and instead of of with the urge to externalize this awareness instead of internalize it and but basically you know i that's was that's a great was, point <laughs> yeah and i think that that's that's the danger that we all face when we discover this um, and
1: but you would know, you just briefly would you really say it's a danger because the way i see this both in my journey and what I can glean from others. Everyone, you know, has their own preferences and style in a sense, but it almost seems as if, you know, like a a flower is blooming or I don't know, the mycelia is growing or something. And there's a certain point when even though you're not maybe really know what you're doing, it's actually important and relevant that you tell everyone about it, even though almost no one will understand anything you're saying, but even this will create a different type of a ripple. And of course, then I guess, one matures in that approach, just like you mentioned, and notices it's really mainly an internal process. But sometimes I think back and I'm like, I'm pretty sure none of these conversations or, you know, strange phased realities that may occur in these states or when one is on that kind of a wave, mm-hmm. I think none of them really are lost in a sense. I, I really see it ripple through time, you know, like Cloud Atlas style or something. Who knows right. on what levels? But of course what you say is equally valid. You know, I'm just saying I, I take think your there's point. yeah.
0: I, I absolutely take point. I think in my case, and and in hindsight, no, I, I I wouldn't be where I am now without having those. What I would, you know, at the time certainly felt like very negative experiences. Um, but but since I've had them, as I've grown more aware of what they mean, they've been much more positive. And and yeah, I definitely take your point that you could you could you could spin the 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 interpretation around as as a as a blessing as opposed to a danger i think that in my case i simply had the wrong audience and and there are and right. the
1: who doesn't reality, right? who doesn't <laughs> right but the unfortunate
0: reality of the status quo of our of human consciousness is that it is more likely that you're going to encounter adversarial forces um uh, jesus are, was not
2: popular in his hometown yeah
0: i mean yeah yeah and 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 so I think that had I had those experiences around uh, or, you know, open and and enlightened people, it would have been a very different outcome for me, but I did not. I was around people that interpreted that as you need to go live in a rubber room, you know, and, and uh, you know, but um, those things happened and, uh, and triggered long-term growth that led me to where I am today. So in a sense, maybe they were ultimately positive experiences, but they sure didn't feel like it at the time. Um, they were very difficult. And, uh, but yeah, I, you make a great point. And, um, but I think my, my strategy in terms of finding a way to continue to safely externalize it is, is an ongoing uh, developing thing for me. And that's something that I try to incorporate into my art. And um, I, I don't know how I, I continue to ask the question, how overt, how transparent is appropriate for, for me personally, and for others as well. I mean, you know, if somebody comes up on the street to me talking, like i you know, like they're in the middle of that process.
1: Oh, totally. And know? just to briefly reinforce what you're saying, it's just what's described in Aldous Huxley. And uh, yeah. one one friend with whom we do shows in German, actually, Michaela, Jim knows her as well. She always gives the great example, I guess, also from some guru or someone. He's like, well, uh, how well are you going to succeed if you're trying to wake someone up who tries to sleep? Right. You know, and right. uh, also Bashar relates this funny story or Daryl, I'm not even sure about, uh, you know, this channel um is talking about some woman that's you know really enthralled in this, you know, you create your own reality and all this one and amazing. And she does her best to tell her uh, sister. And uh, then at some point, she can see like her sister, I don't know, uh, getting a walk in. I mean, that's what I'm saying now, but just like, you know, some re- reset of the connection. And mm-hmm. then suddenly her sister tells her, don't you see, I am not ready to know that yet. and then goes back to her normal self you know so it's really there is a i think it's a great value like when you know you just spring up and you kind of bump everywhere and some ripples occur but then as soon as you catch the drift that that's not really what it's about and that you can't really you know force anyone into anything the very least you know the reflection of self and evolution of consciousness then i guess it's even just out of um uh, how should I say, maintaining one's own joy that one will naturally, you know, uh, adjust these styles of communication, just like you say, not walk right. up to anyone, shine right. a bright light in their face, you know.
0: <laughs> exactly, because, you know, and you never know who who's who's open to receiving it or not. And I think that there's also, there's an element of uh, volunteerism behind it. Like people, I think you need to, people, people need to surrender a certain, aspect of, um, of themselves and their sense of self to open to, to, in order to be genuinely open to that type of perception and, and um, growth. And also, I think that we live in the age of instant gratification, and I certainly was seducted by or seduced by that, um, like, and, you know, it's almost it's impossible to avoid being raised in developed countries in the Western world in, in our era. Uh, And I think that that fed into this, this intense, overwhelming sense of urgency I had, I was like, I instantly need to go out and declare to the world. And they and they're going to get it right away, you know, and it's it, it doesn't work like that. Um, It's well, it's, it's tricky because personality
2: process. is involved. You know what I mean? Right, We're kind of right. so there's like obje- like you know, driving is X. It's like someone with a lead foot is going to drive differently than someone with like nearsightedness. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, everybody's mm-hmm. conditions of the information flow necessarily cause that message to be distorted. So, in a sense, like that's what I think maybe one of the like the doubt that can be named is the doubt because it's like everything that's naming is trying or even describing or kind of trying to relay, um, for whatever reasons, whether it was you know. You were sincerely trying to express, you know, um, a belief you had versus maybe like inflated, grandiose ego moments or, or anywhere in between, or like all the colors, right? Um, it's hard to know because I think what this is boiling down to is like our inability to trust. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, the story <laughs> of the devil or whatever is like, don't just trust anything. Like there's wolves in sheep's clothing. There's there's actually viruses out there that will like, con- you know fuck you up and all this shit and maybe in a sense there you know you know we tell ourselves stories like don't pick up you know literally the rattlesnakes they'll bite you you'll die and we like tell stories to inculcate these kind of myths that like allow more you know gene spreading to occur or whatever the fuck right but when we've also way, mapped
0: we've also anthropomorphized a moral spectrum onto those things that where where they may not exist a rattlesnake is just acting in its own self-interest of self-preservation, you know, and, and wars are fought between two sides that are both just fighting for what they believe is right, you know, and, and, and natural forces have no, they're value neutral, you know, they don't, and, and, and yet we assign this, this moral spectrum to all of these external events where they don't necessarily exist.
2: Right. Because we don't trust the process. That's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like, it's, yeah, it's all exactly. good. And then we start being like, well, I have a, I have a good, I want to maintain. And, the, and whenever that like gets distorted in the sense, that's not good. Right. So in a sense, like, for example, like the sun dying out one day or us getting engulfed in a black hole, like we would say that's not ideal, obviously, for many reasons. But like, the point is like, if it's the case, it is what it is. Like you yep, kind of just yep. have to accept it in some weird way. And I think, you know, just like in the I Ching, there's like hexagrams that are very benevolent in a sense. And there's hexagrams that are very not helpful, but like it's all part of the song and dance. And I don't think it's even, I think it's a natural consequence of evolution to anthropomorphize. I don't even like demonize that in a sense. Well, like morality in- is,
0: human morality is a, is a product of evolution. and It serves a function in, in as, as a social function. For, you know, there's, there's a, there's an evolutionary basis for morality. I mean, even in chimpanzees and lesser, lesser primates, you know, you, you find that even in, even in all, all other forms of life, there's a, there are basic moralistic systems that exist because it, because it, because it serves the greater interest of, of, survival, of fitness, you know? So it's, it's not without nothing, but I, but no, I, I take your point for sure. It is about acceptance and surrendering to a certain extent in order. Well, to it's
2: fucking work. easier than it sounds. Like we say it rather nonchalantly, but it's like try doing that at the peak of an acid trip or like when you're telling your fam- friends and family that you see the way or whatever. And it's, it's I think what do we they Do they need to struggle. know?
0: That's what I'm saying. It's That's like, do tricky. they even need
2: to know? I'm cr- know? curious and, what Raphael thinks because I, at some level, on the one hand, it's up to you. I mean, I right. guess the energy dance that'll play out happens because of the chemistry. So if you bring, you know, sodium to the table and their potassium and you you know, it's like alchemy, let me put it this
1: way, reality is organized in terms of information sharing, just like, uh, you know, top projects in the CIA or what they call, uh, what is it not just black projects, but there's an even better word. Anyhow, everything is compartmentalized perfectly, because we live in the illusion of separation for the joy of it. And therefore, everyone will always only need only know exactly what they need to know need to know basis so in a sense i mean i see those that are aware or they can let's say have reasonable uh, excitement let's just say in making the information accessible and the awareness to the best of their abilities which is i would say what we are all doing even just by participating in this podcast um however this does not necessarily mean you know pushing it on anyone or uh like we said, shining the light in someone's face who really wants to sleep. So I think there is a differentiation to be had right there.
0: Well, Raphael, it takes that that point takes takes us back to one of the very first things you said, and that discernment is key. I mean, I think it's 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 interesting how we've evolved to to uh, like you like you described. We we compartmentalize, we break down, we categorize, we classify, and and this is, I mean, discernment is the the, the last uh, i 've I've talked about this a lot um, the only one of the last inborn instincts human beings have is 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 discernment when you were born, the only program that still exists in your in your ancient part of your brain is to literally to find your mother's nipple and that 's why the areola. Is darker than the surrounding skin on a woman's breast on a mother's breast is because the only and, and, yeah we the only you have very limited eyesight as an as a newborn and you can only distinguish figure from ground and that is and that is that is the essential nourishment that you need to survive and so all of our other instinct instinctive behaviors have been externalized on you know we've st- we've stored them in the in the naturally occurring storage medium of culture every every other instinctual behavior the only one that remains is discernment is being able to separate right and so it's it's that's that's the great challenge that we're trying to overcome i think and when 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 we have these fleeting glimpses of of the totality of interconnectivity and synchronicity of the universe that's, that's the great challenge of our life that we're facing is that, oh, I'm, I'm, I am equipped with this hardwired uh, software and hardware that is, that is designed to separate when in reality at this peak of my acid trip or whatever, I'm perceiving what reality actually is. And so I think that's the great, that's the, to me, I, I boil it down to that fundamental challenge.
2: So this gets into a funny place because it's like, all right, if the monkey can't see the nipple, it does. If one thinks that's the only time it would exist, it's less preferable to do that. So we would put a moral slant on it to the degree that it's like you should see the target. Try to get the target. Whereas if it's all just the one thing experiencing so, itself constantly and moving like a river or whatever, it's like sometimes it sees it, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, if we want to go this way eventually, like it will need to see the target more than not. So, yeah, make that a – You know, preference, I guess, of behavior. Raphael, I'm kind of curious as to your, um, because we're kind of, we're talking about this two ways. On the one hand, like we're saying, maybe, you know, good and bad is perspective, but then it seems that there's, um, Discernment would be like there's times for both, like both happen, but there's times when one is more necessary for an outcome that's desired than another. This gets into desire versus uh, know,
1: well, impulse. Just briefly, we have to differentiate between, uh, or again, discern. <laughs> Apply the separation to recognize the unity. No, um <laughs> we have to uh, the discern in this case between the labeling or judgment of good and bad, which is, um, yeah. Judgment, basically or labeling uh, a classification and between the let's say mechanical underpinnings in terms of polarity polarization positive or negative those are different things and uh, Maybe interpreted as good or bad again depending on a certain culture. So that's a difference here and it's it's certain that we need positive and negative polarity even functionally even for any system you need some kind of an output if you also have input some kind of negative feedback if you have positive feedback even if like the sasani say for example they run a 99% or .9 positive synchronicity and again they leave a tiny aspect yeah of noise right so mm-hmm. just for novelty but it's really minimized and it's not labeled as negative or bad. So number one is the labeling, and number two is just uh, what kind of choice one makes for oneself and for one's own society, whether to run off of negative synchronicity or positive synchronicity, or in what in what balance these should be held. Does it make sense, Jim?
2: Yeah, I mean the idea that came to mind is like, okay, so this this group of people over here don't know that Vesuvius is like toxic. Chemically, like there's noxious fumes that'll kill you, and it could blow up and kill you, and all this shit, and it happens. Um, I guess I'm still looking at like life as preferential to (laughs) non-life in a weird way. So I'm like, sure,
1: and you can do that. But what I just want to say is, even if you do that, then number one, it makes sense not just to label too much as bad in a negative sense, just because of also let's say emotional capacity that this may consume. But then overall, you can just make a choice and can say, okay, I focus on positive polarization, uh, constructivity, uh, communication, and inclusion. And I choose to grow and live with that. That's perfectly fine. But even within that, you will have. Knowing
2: full well distortions occur.
1: Well, not just this, but even that, even technically, you need the negative polarization. Like if I could, would only have the positive, I would st- no, not, not like, in no sense, let's say. Now start taking a breath, you know, and never exhale again. It's not right. going to be so great. Yeah. So, yeah. and there is really a limit, uh, let's say a, a great degree of variability in terms of how much negativity you want. And certainly humans have been heavily unbalanced on that to the negative side as well. Let's say, or much more than my individual preference. I just want to say that technically you will still have, just like in the yin yang, some aspect of negative polarization, even technically, even though that doesn't have to be some grand destruction or something, but you actually need some degree of separation, even to to just have an experience and create a story. And with that having kept in mind, then also the excess negativity, even though we can see we don't prefer it, we can recognize its value and purpose more, because especially now we could, could say it is well separation and decay in a sense. but many of those things now we could observe are well in a sense not really separated but uh, yeah to be left like you know compost or however you call it in english you're on top
2: well i guess the idea that comes to mind a little is the parable um in the bible about like you know if you want to have fruit out of the seed you got to kill the seed or something so it's like and it's obvious but what we're kind of getting at is this acceptance of like there's a time and a place for kind of everything Wally yeah. I'm kind of curious how you're looking at um, and not to just jump ships completely but I'm seeing a kind of a thread in my own mind at least with like synchronicities happen there's good things there's bad sinks. we can get into like you know culturally relative ones or personal ones like what you would desire versus you know larger scale stuff um, but before I get into synchronicity maybe I'm curious as to why you wanted to talk about God as information what does that mean to you
0: oh um well, um, yeah, that's a big topic. I think, well, I think it's important, as far as my point of view is concerned, uh, you know, in a, in a lot of these discussions that are being had uh, in these circles, there is, there is um, a clear distinction made between a kind of materialist versus idealist uh, worldview. Um, and the, um, the types of people that we find ourselves often speaking with, I would think, feel somewhat attacked by the, um, or, or at least dismissed outright by the materialist worldview. Um, I personally, I, I, I don't discredit either. I, I. in the same way that I don't discredit any any style of music, I find I like to um, uh, live in the gray area between the two and acknowledge. You
2: straddle them well. I was I would say you're the most materialistic sinkhead uh, I've met in that sense.
0: Yeah, but I wouldn't consider myself. I mean, I I acknowledge the full spectrum. I think that my you know and my belief system is fundamentally everything is true, um, and all you know, truths
1: are true all perspectives are valid is also you know in yeah, a sense so yeah exactly Sure.
0: and um and so on the topic of information i mean this is and in material science this is a uh, very much um uh, a hot topic uh quantum information and the and the importance of physical information um and and as we continue to observe material science creep ever so slowly, as it does towards realizing that idealism has been right about many things for thousands of years, uh, um, you know, I, 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 I observe that that very very gradual creep towards accepting that um, uh, with a lot of fervor um, and. I think just, you know, as I transitioned over the last decade or more uh, from an atheist to a believer, um, a lot of that was driven by my interest in information as a fundamental, as the ultimate fundamental Building block of the universe and reality, as we know it. Um, information sounds like a very technical term, um, and but essentially, I mean, when you when you examine a lot of the mystical sides of any of the major religions—Christian mysticism, Jewish mysticism, is Islamic mysticism—you uh, can extract a lot of language that well that deals with language and the transmission of information i mean the very the very opening lines of genesis are are all about the, the you know the speech of god and and the transmission of of words and ideas from the mouth of god that is a fundamental that is that is an information transmission act Right. And um, it's my belief that, you know, as theoretical physicists continue to to uh, pursue what happened before what they consider to be the Big Bang, they're going to find that it's just an endless ocean of information that was lying in st- in stasis r- waiting to describe something that is the function of information it's it, it it it's it's blueprints it's 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 endless infinite descriptive capacity and so that uh, you know as succinctly as i can kind of sums up what i mean by god is information Fundam- i mean and i think that human beings are an extension of of that in of that reality in the, in their capacity, uh, an infinite capacity to, to create information, uh, transmit information, process information, transform it, uh, store it, recall it, you know, and once again, that takes me back to my enjoyment of the, of the current era we're in, where there's more and more kind of just common awareness of how information, um, is is handled in 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 reality um
2: do you think we have an objective understanding of that or is that a human-based understanding of information uh and obviously we have an understanding of kind of what we perceive it to be but like you know (laughs) is there an infrared bandwidth of truth that we just aren't capable of cracking
0: no i think that we are i don't know that most people I think are um, I think that there are powers uh, and interests in the material realm that uh, use that very fact to, um, to misguide and, and or to just misdirect most people with information. I mean everyone's processing and everyone is contributing to the flow and to the constant mutation and transference of information. There are there are magicians and shamans and 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 adepts who are doing it very consciously, and then there's everyone else who are doing it unconsciously or only to you know much lesser degrees of consciousness or awareness. But it's everyone is participating all the time, forever and always have. Um, and this is this is why synchronicities rise, rise up into our awareness. I think because you know people without realizing it are contributing to the, these uh, um, types sort of laws of, of, of attraction that, that pull together events and individuals uh, and objects into alignment that one of us, any individual person may, encounter or stumble upon and perceive as a very meaningful but also very personal synchronicity. And that's also why I'm interested in in that distinction between kind of macro and micro synchronicities because highly personal synchronicities are ones that are very difficult to share that experience. Uh, you know,
2: the Pearls can... to Swine scenario, it's the worst. Yeah. When you're like, yo, right. I saw this shit, and everyone's like, that has no value in my system, I'm sorry.
0: Exactly. And then they and then that person who just dismissed you has their own and is suddenly in the same position.
1: Yeah. Although I would say with things like numerology, that luckily some people get into, we may yes. actually be able to start developing like common languages or reference points. Like for example, uh one very dear friend of ours, let's say in our also let's how should I say spiritual uh, in the best sense pirate group uh, locally where we just do events and uh, I do the channelings and we have, you know, different workshops and different devices like frequency healing tech. Anyhow, uh, one of our, let's say one of the founders actually died uh, and, uh, you know, whole backstory and so on. But anyhow, then some people were getting connections through him or information in a sense from him, you know, whatever this means. Exactly. Right. We can speculate, but like distinct individuals having this recognition. And uh, one of the ways one can then easily talk about it, for example, is through numbers. So for example, mm-hmm. in his case, he was tightly associated with seven, seven, seven. And um, I w- wanted to go to a demonstration actually in the inner city. And as always in the inner city, I walk the wrong way, even though GPS is open and you know, whatever, I just go wherever, right? And with (laughs) my headphones in, and then I suddenly look up and there's a guy and apparently he really wants to talk to me and he already looks interesting. And we're right in front of a super nice stylish, like white Land Rover or something that says Vienna, in this case a W, but with Vienna it would actually be V, which would be his complete signature. And then 777. And the first thing this guy says is like, oh, do you know the place where you can read about all of this? And I guess he said that because I was dressed all colorful and so on, you know. Um mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I think I know the place. And we just talked for a bit. He dropped some crazy Harry Potter references I didn't catch completely, but enough, yeah. you know, to jive with yeah. it. So I basically just, you know, obviously meant a magician right in front of that symbol. So it's, it's in a sense personal, but through the numbers, it can be, I guess, easier to relay and... Uh, But at the same time, it's so relevant what you mentioned that everyone considers this. But I think the more one is on that journey, the more compassionate and open one becomes to more and more obscure interpretational lines of reasonings. Like many of the research subjects that I'm into, I could never have gotten into if I wouldn't have built that capacity, which, you know, like kind of starts from both understanding, let's say, you know, a left wing and the right wing ideology or to both Mm -hmm. understand the ideas of capitalism, communism and technocracy and communitarianism or whatever. That's where it starts. And eventually it goes up to, oh, you see aliens. Oh, you see this strange sliver of a light because of whatever but when one realizes how individually that journey is and that we are living within our own belief systems and one can account for that then it's yeah. much easier to be able to jive with someone even if i don't have the same references because i know i just have to assume it to understand you know what's <clears throat> what's happening right
0: absolutely yeah that's very well put and i think it's true i mean there I mean, for some people i have i've encountered uh a lot of for in terms of the the numbers being a common reference point some people really resonate with that idea and others don't um i've 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 uh a good friend of uh of mine and i think i'm not, I'm not sure if you guys have spoken directly with him or not but you guys may be familiar with his um oh yeah i'm
2: trying to get him on here he's in japan but yeah yeah out.
0: Um, and I love the guy to death and I think, but one of our disagreements, or I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a disagreement actually. It's just perspective differences. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, perhaps maybe it's not even, even that, but what, you know, we were talking about, or I was asking about, you know, what, what comes first numbers or words or what came first numbers or words? And he's like, words, definitely. And I was like, okay, but you just counted. (laughs) I mean, the question itself, what comes first? The word first refers to counting, you know, you're putting something in an order. So, you know, there is, there is no distinction ultimately. Like um, as soon as something comes, it's, it's, it's been ordered. Right. So, I mean, there's a, such a thing. I mean, the word first is a, you know, an ordinal term versus, uh, the cardinal numbers, there's cardinal numbers and ordinal numbers and cardinal numbers are just one, two, three, four. And, and they're, uh, you know, representing a quantity ordinal numbers are first, second, third, and fourth representing a, a sequence. A teleology or something. Yeah. Right. A sequence basically. And so it was a trick question. And, and I'm like, so what came first? <laughs> Words or numbers? And, and uh, both is the answer. <laughs> but um, but yeah i think um numbers uh are are uh for, for the most part a great reference point for for those kind of riding the wave and those you know watching from the beach so to speak to your point well, they F-Y-O. help give
2: time stamps in the sense right like i think they can kind of be <laughs> exactly. resonating points but then like what you're kind of getting to and it's i guess it's like what comes first particle or wave it's like it depends on your perspective and maybe in the universe there's all number and it bleeds into words eventually and maybe in a one universe like it's all words and they they articulate to a point of sequentiality at some point or whatever yeah and
0: the yeah. numbers are a fundamental unit of information right i mean that's like how how much how much more granular can you get than just you know a quantity right i mean just the numbers themselves that we the symbols that we write down the numerals those aren't those are those are words more than they are numbers, you know, they they are symbols that represent some abstract quantity that that doesn't exist. There's no such thing as a, as a as a as a limited quantity, you know, that's again, that's discernment. We're separating the one into the many. Right. Well, but, I was going to say but,
2: that's. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Please. Well, Raphael's always saying this, and like it's hard to phenomenologically grok it. Like it, when the penny drops, it hits, and it's like you don't have to shout it out to the world. You, you smile at those who get it. You have the Buddha smile, whatever. Um, well, it seems like I'm imagining a circle of the totality that all it, all that is, and all that ever will be, and all that can't, you know, whatever. The one circle, we'll just say, and then within that circle is a, you know, imagine black and white or whatever. Um, and I guess it's around. just like a it's a sine wave or something that's switch. I mean, it's like a yin yang. is obviously a similar thing, but it's like uh, you have total unity. Like that would be all white. Right. We'll just say, and then it starts shifting like pixel by pixel within the circle or whatever into darkness. And it's, it's not that the circles changed really. It's just the values within it are, and maybe at some point you come in, like when people talk about like Kali Yugas and stuff like that, um, or maybe, you know, before conscious, it seems like the circle always is and was and will be. And then the yep. variation of, you know, a polarity within this thing is going through kind of saturation differentiations, I guess you could say. So when we're right. like, oh, we're going to a new Jerusalem or something, it's like we're going, or, you know, a, uh, going from Kali Yuga to like, Whatever a better yoga golden age, it's like well we feel like we're in more darkness and then the light is increasing, right, and then when you in right. these golden ages when it shifts out of that or whatever it's like the darkness. You see what I'm saying? So it's like the information it, it it's always there, and then it's a matter it's of awareness there. of
0: it. Well, because our perception is linear, right? I mean, and we can only. You know, and the, our sensory perception and our and our and our conscious perception is is based on a, a a linear flow of of before, now, and after, and you know. But all time is, you know, all past, present, and future is existing simultaneously. But for some reason, it has benefited our survival to to once again discern um, that that simultaneity as as discrete units that are passing by and the wave in that simultaneous realm probably doesn't even exist as we perceive it. The wave is our perception of, you know, it's, the, it's like the inhale, exhale. It's the contra it's the, it's the contraction and, and, and ex- expansion. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's the big bang and the big crunch. I mean, it's all of those things, but for some reason, we we perceive that as happening along an arrow of time i guess the alan watts sense because the thing that's
2: coming to mind is like this total white circle and then like say one pixels black the whiteness compared to the perception of the perspective of the black is going to have you know left to center to right or whatever past present future you're going to see it in context to itself in a sense and, it, like, mm-hmm. and you know how they're, like, oh, in a vacuum it's got to be filled up or whatever? I guess if there's this, like, pixel of vacuousness, which is fine, is still within the, you know, the spectrum of possibility within the circle, um, when it's just one pixel of that in the whole thing, um, all the white is falling into it. I mean, it's witnessed in a sense. And maybe in an Alan Watts sense, it's, like, it's all happening now. But, like, I guess it's kind of a Easter egg hunt, it seems, of perception and, and awareness to, like, crawl through the mechanisms of our meat suits and, and time and space and all this shit. Like it's more entertaining. And I guess in a sense of, uh, in a way, kind of like, I guess you could have, you know, all the keys on the keyboard play at once, but like we find that a lot less entertaining, I guess, uh, than, you know, melodies over time or whatever.
0: Yeah. Well, it also, like I said, human beings are this extension of, of God as information. Right. And I think that it benefits, I think that if there is any i think that i mean uh, if there is any goal
2: that the, the cosmic, transcendental object at the end of the, time kind the, of thing
0: if there's any well if there's any cosmic goal at play here it is the dispersal and expansion and constant and and rebirth and reuse and and uh, of information itself and human beings have shown throughout history that they are if there's one thing that they do well, it's that, but all nature does that. I mean, even the transfer of, of seeds to the, to the soil is a trans is a transmission of information. It's genetic information being passed on. And that cycle is just this of life that we talk, you know, things have to die and be reborn. You know, we, we, we are, you know, we decompose into the ground and contribute to the, to the nutrients of the soil. That's all just the cyclical transmission and, and recycling of, of information right and and then the, but that information is is manifest into matter itself matter is simply just is 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 media matter is media it's a storage of information and that's that's that that's even a more concise way of, of describing what i mean by god is information i mean information is is the underpinning material but it's not even it's it's an immaterial uh, um, thing that that gloms itself on you know matter comes into being by information describing it uh and in a very in a very kind of cosmic fundamental sense of the of the of the term and and i mean that's just that's my belief you know
2: I can dig it. It, I mean, the thing that keeps coming to my mind now with this whole like white and grains of sand to black, whatever, is like a an hourglass. I mean, it's all up Mm -hmm. on the top. Let's just say that's information as such. It's all white, right? Or however you know, it doesn't really matter. And then it's like it has to pass through a a a moment. I guess that middle part and what it has is quote pass through and it's actualized I guess you could say yes, or, yes you know and then that's what this material universe is it's turning and from zero point, to it'll a flip one
0: over. Yeah, it's a, it's it's like, a bit it's a, it's a bit it really is I mean it's the zero and the one you know
2: well ironically um, the zero and the one are held within something beyond those capacitors if that makes yeah sense. and I
1: think there is some kind of an argument in terms of also AI uh, you know take over and I don't know. Let's, let's say, I'm just dropping these words now, binary and non-binary. Again, this may go down many different paths, just because that's sure. become a more uh, common term now. But the idea actually of binary and uh, trinity, for lack of a better term. Or tertiary. The, yes, tertiary. Yeah, yes. And the idea being that the one thing is like, you know, the Sith, the Sith or the old style thinking of, you know, on, off, good, evil. And the third aspect is more almost like the spiritual connection or the corpus callosum or whatever, and that we are actually biologically a a three part, let's say, consciousness or Trinitarian consciousness and trying to and some aspects are attempting to squeeze us into a binary consciousness, binary mode of thinking, binary being, you know, becoming a cyborg, replacing yourself with chips. Or then potentially this advanced capacity of the Trinitarian aspect uh, may get lost and may actually be a downgrade. And this doesn't have to be, you know, AI or cyborgs. This is even just media and manipulation yes. and propaganda, right?
0: Right. Well, you can't, I mean, binary, I've always found, you know, binary is, is, is actually tertiary. I mean, you can't talk about zero and one without the word and that you need, a third ele- you need that third element to just to even be able to express the concept of zero and one. You can't, you know, zero one, or they it's have a relationship
2: a, that's outside yes, of and, their and it's, individuality. It's
0: that, it's that binding agent that the, that we that for for linguistically we use the word and, you know, but but uh, it's a binding that third binding agent that once again also discerns between the two is is again is is in my opinion more fundamental than those two those two individual elements, right? So to your point of the 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 tertiary reality. And yeah, I mean that's that's right in keeping with you know my my operating system for sure. The in well, between. Seems... Oh go ahead Rafael. Yeah the in between well I mean, that's what I was saying.
2: It's like on the top of the glass it's like you know, full on the bottom, it's empty, and then there's the process therein. But to be able to witness either is the end.
0: And and like your to 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 carry on your hourglass metaphor, it's that moment, that momentary point in between where the sand is passing that actualizes either side.
2: Exactly, and that's yeah. maybe what 3D reality is. It's just like kind of in between modality where it's like everything that is will become something else, and it's just this oriboral kind of forever thing. I'm okay with that. Um, I mean, it seems like the mystics. I, I forget where I read it, but it's like you know, the mystic knows one plus one is three always. It's kind of what we're mm-hmm. saying, where it's just mm-hmm. like there is no. There's duality is like a phase to go through to from the unity to the trinary. Like it, it's an it's just a a point of discretion a polar, is it? I mean, obviously you need poles and spectrum to like kind of explain. It seems um and it's so obvious let me just say that the, just the
1: idea of the overdramatization is is the issue of third density you know because having polarity is great you need it for creation and experience but you know then labeling half of it as un- completely undesirable not understanding the mechanics and so on that's what creates the issue and uh, yeah and again human design is the science of individuation the third density is the density of separation but again, seen from a higher perspective, this is actually a type of discernment because I would still contend, especially with the binary way of thinking, that most or many, many still are kept actually in a second chakra bandwidth, which is closer, let's say, to uh, animal or herd mentality from the lower level. And there, the actual point would first be to really develop an individuality, which would be a solar plexus third density aspect, but to actually really develop that. Uh, individuate yourself truly uh from a collective or something and then again on the fourth density heart level conjunction again rejoin with everything and often we talk about the you know the rejoining process and the unification process but it really seems for many the individuation process is is simply a prerequisite and uh, there may also be still something left to do there because if that had already happened we wouldn't have these oversimplifications of mass movements and cultures and so on if you can catch my drift
0: i catch it i acquire your drift to quote well it's funny (laughs)
2: nice it's (laughs) funny because even what you're talking about earlier with like the epiphanies that you had and you didn't know how to like process them that is the process of individuation i mean that you were separating in a sense, and you know, and it, to not have value on it, it's like it was good. It was appropriate for your dynamic in that moment through the hourglass yeah, to yeah. operate that way. <laughs> so, in some sense, we we should trust that it's all you know, it's all happening for reasons beyond human cognition, maybe even. Uh, and and if we're able to kind of get to that um, storyteller mode or director's cut, you know, mode or whatever, like it makes everything. I mean, it makes things that are hard and difficult whether it's you know elections or holocaust or whatever a little more digestible it makes the high water marks a little more humble uh, you know, in a sense, like, we don't just get, like, mm. you know, Beethoven is the shit and let's just all do this. Now we'll have a Third Reich or whatever. <laughs> it's like, okay, mm-hmm. like, realize there's a time and place for it. It seems like I, I really do think um, that we're kind of entering an era, uh, I, and I mean, I'm new age enough where I think we're entering a new era, and quite frankly, of perception of the data. The data's always existed, and it's kind of swashing around um, in, you know, in the hourglass, and we'll have a different appreciation of it. And to And to... Be grateful for every element of that process and every location of the particle or, you know, whatever. It's like, wow, when I was up on the top of the hourglass, that's beautiful and it's interesting. And when it passes through the filter, that's crazy. That's a dynamic moment. When it lands, it's not better or worse or, you know, it, it's a sand grain that's passed or whatever, but that like has value in its own way. Um, and this is kind of maybe what postmodern or metamodern kind of awareness is going to lead to. It was always the case, but we just had to kind of stumble through it. It seems like, you know, you're in a house, but there's no lights. And then we're turning on lights gradually. Now our eyes are adjusting, but we were always in the house. Mm.
0: Yeah. I think it's a matter of thresholds. I mean, I think that you can trace, you can trace those thresholds throughout history as like once, once certain, certain things reach uh, a boiling point, you know, we shift into different levels of consciousness and, and, we're at a, we're at a a scale and a scope and just a sheer abundance of, of connectivity that is so unprecedented. And I think that as we, as we, I mean, I think that we, you know, we're, we're constantly evolving consciously and culturally towards um, a higher level of empathic and sympathetic resonance with each other. And, you know, I'm optimistic. A lot of people bemoan the current state we're in uh, where the level of connectivity that we, that we enjoy today has, 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 you know, seen the emergence of, uh, of ancient behavior in terms of tribalism and, and, and polarization. But I think that's just, um, that's just a birth pang of our technological and spiritual and, uh adolescence and i i am optimistic about where it will lead it's going to take it's going to be a very bumpy road ahead but those bumps are are bumps that are on the map which which means that we're on the right path you know i mean i that's always we can't be off path in that sense that's this well yeah we're only on the path and that was i mean to speak about the negative experiences I had in the past of, uh, temporary, you know, enlightenment leading to, uh, crashing and burning. I mean, those, those moments were also, um, you know, points on, on, on a, on a path that I had to traverse cause they're on that, that they're, they are milestones that, that I needed to, to pass, to, to keep me on the right direction, you know? And I, and I think that on a larger scale as a, as a, as a, as a human you know the human race is and currently traversing those you know similar types of hurdles um, but uh, you know the the connectivity that we're seeing that technology which in the McLuhan sense is simply an extension of our bodies um, and and not this you know external thing it's it's just an extension of our bodies uh, and And very much a part of nature, just like a forest or or the ocean is uh is leading us i hope you know to to that kind of cloud of and and just simmering uh landscape of of empathic and sympathetic resonance more and more but uh we've gotta tune the guitar, so to speak, you know.
2: The idea that came to mind when you were saying this, because it's like the hourglass has a function; it's going to go one way, and the um the perceived effect of the speed and maybe momentum or whatever when the hourglass first gets flipped, and there's a few grains going on, like that process is always going on, but overall it doesn't look destabilizing particularly to the sand up above. But by the time you get to the last few grains, you know, no. or whatever, it's like they're 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 falling very quickly and you know right. what I mean, it's like and that's kind of where we're at right now it's kind of a the night is darkest point.
0: before the dawn
2: yeah I mean, should, I mean i'm i'm optimistic too but i think it's just like we asked for the most ratchet film basically and it's like <laughs> i guess this is how it looks uh you know you'll process through culture and polarity and there will be all these pendulum swings and multi-dimensional directions and you know it's a few great like we're at the, you know the last bit of the sand hourglass it seems uh the end of time potentially uh even in Astro- astronomy, I think NASA, which some people may credit or not, is saying that Saturn's rings are dissolving. That's an esoteric symbol of order and you know time and stuff. We're getting into this place of, you know, especially with VR, psychedelics becoming legal, uh, t- you know, TV show reality presidents, all this kind of thing. Like it's just getting. I mean, we kind of hit it. It's like we're we're past a threshold of singularity where like novelty is just going to keep getting crazier and crazier. So those sing grains that are towards the back end of the co- you know the the process of the um time hourglass analogy experienced dramatic shift quickly as opposed to maybe the one you know when they were on top when the sand was full or whatever it didn't feel that crazy you know for uh amoebas to turn into fucking whatever you know like that kind of process was slow gradual whatever and now the rate of change is so crazy that's disorienting but it's i guess and this is a presupposition it's uh desired and it mm-hmm. might not be desired in a conscious mind sense, but like we're here, accept it, enjoy the ride kind of thing. Bill this, stuff. this
0: brings to mind um, a wonderful Alan Moore quote. Um, you guys, he's a cool magician. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just successfully pulled it up here. If you'll humor me, I'd like to read it. Definitely. Um, As I understand the theory of period information doubling, this states that if we take one period of human information as being the time between the invention of the first hand axe, say around 50,000 BC and 1 AD, then this is one period of information and we can measure it by how many human inventions we came up with at that time. Then we see how long it takes to, how long it takes for us to have twice as many inventions. This means that human information has doubled. As it turns out, after the first 50,000 year period, the second period is about 1,500 years, say around the time of the Renaissance. By then we had twice as much information. To double again, human information took a couple of hundred years. The period speeds up. Between 1960 and 1970, human information doubled. As I understand it, at the last count, human information was doubling every 18 months. Further this, there is a point sometime around 2015 where human information is doubling every 1,000th of a second. This means that in each 1,000th of a second, we will have accumulated more information than we have in the entire previous history of the world. At this point, I believe all bets are off. I cannot imagine the kind of culture that exists after such a flashpoint of knowledge. I believe that our culture would probably move into a completely different state. It would move past the boiling point from a fluid culture to a culture of steam. And he said that in 2002. And he was pretty dead on about his prediction.
2: Yeah, that's beautifully put. And right, I think we're going into... I mean, this sounds crazy because sometimes... I'm not, I don't want to go off on a rabbit hole here, um, but like sometimes I'm like very committed to being materially embedded in the system in such a way that I'm like, I have a past, I have a present, I have a future, all this stuff. And then sometimes I just pop out of that just briefly. And sometimes it's just psychedelic, sometimes it's just musing, sometimes it's the power of synchronicity or you know out-of-bodiness or whatever the fuck. But like I pop out of it just enough to be like, oh, that was just – that was the impression. That was the imagination if that mm. makes sense we were always yeah. in the full information and then we like kind of it's like in harry potter when um, <laughs> they have the uh, memories or whatever it's like we're in the quote real world we dip our heads and then in back into the past it's like we were in total information situation and we dipped our heads into like a a, a sequestered moment or whatever and it's very you know it's delusional be a persistent in that sense in Einstein sense but it's like I think that's going to start popping more and more. I think basically like where people used to maybe have like daydreams occasionally or whatever and find art as like expression and like ecstatic or, you know, making love or drugs or whatever as like moments. And then like I'm back in my hard line, hardwire meat suit shit. I think it's going to be flipping the other way where it's like. You we're going to basically be like kind of disassociating collectively <laughs> and getting more and more kind of schizophrenic. It's really well actually articulated in a, um, a movie called La Congress. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's like kind of a mm-hmm. psychedelic cartoon apocalypse where it's just like identity ceases to mean what it used to. It's information overload, like borders and everything pop. And it's almost this Buddhist epiphany of like namaste incarnate or whatever the fuck happened at the end there. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating moment. And I, I think maybe we just have to remind ourselves that I mean this is a presupposition. We chose to be here now. Like right. So it's like, yo, like I asked for the ride, you know I didn't ask for the kitty ride. I, I mean it was always interesting, you know, even if Paris was freaking out over fucking choreography, that's fascinating. Or whatever. It's a different kind of fascinating. We're at a time when, you know, uh the the, the um the norms are kind of going out the window. And I think we're unable to cope with that, but we're falling into the grace of what already was in a right. sense. So it's like, it's all good. Um, we can thrash about and have our own apocalypse and it's going to look weird like Lieutenant Dan and, you know, saving, pri- or no, I mean, uh, uh, Forrest Gump, where it's just like, oh, I had a destiny and I, I had all these expectations and I was holding on to this that, and the other and he's got he got to kind of let it out like a tantrum. But when he does, he comes to, on the other side of that to this piece and it's just like, well, it is what it is. And, you know, like, we just got to kind of like get the rabid animal out of us, um, accept it and then, ch- punctuate essentially to like what steam consciousness like he was saying like we're, we're going to be different than we have been before but it was always there anyway in a sense in our imaginations or something and now we're going to fall into an imaginal place i think where like you said all bets are off um dreams are you know everything's materialized new age wet dreams don't even start it right like terence mckenna was getting into this with the 2012 time wave stuff um i think it's the end of time as we know it because the hourglass is flipping, and we're the last grains of sand at a certain moment, and it's going to flip, and it's going to be a, a totally different kind of inundation of information uh, being on that other side of it. Anyway, yeah. um, I guess we can start wrapping it up. Is there anything that you wanted to touch on that we didn't, or is there anything you you know like that kind of stuff?
0: No, we covered plenty. That was great. Word. Thank you. Yeah, no, Thank I you enjoy it. you're one of
2: my favorite people.
0: Uh I, we've very
2: minimally <laughs> had contact. Like I said, we met up in Boise. We walked through a labyrinth together. That's kind of a an initiation of sorts. Um but yeah, anytime I kind of come into contact with what you do, it's always both fascinating and interest I mean interesting but like cool. Like you're Thanks, an Aquarius, so it's like no, totally. Like I love that you're doing your own thing. Um you've always done your own thing it seems. Keep doing your own thing. Just trust the process. I know it's a weird time and, you know, listening to all the other monkeys, um, it's kind of like Whoville or something. It's like, yeah, they've got stars. They've got moon just like don't listen to all the hype just kind of uh, don't you know do are you
0: talking about horton reads a who oh i'm
2: conflating things dr seuss has this one thing where it's like oh we have a machine that puts stars on our bellies and then all the people without stars are like i want that and then everybody has stars and like well the new thing is to not have stars so we're removing them or whatever the fuck i just read read,
0: i just read horton hears a who to my daughter the other night so
2: well you're a good dad if you're reading dr seuss that guy's pretty well yeah um Well, I do appreciate you coming on. I want to get you on here at some other point. I think we're having um, people come on, uh, like Alan and some other people, uh, talk about Kubrick if you wanted to talk about him specifically. Uh, That's later this month or something. But anyway, we'll coordinate something. Um, sure some um Emmy winning documentarians coming on who's all about Kubrick and I was like, Oh well he's not like a sink head or you know into psychedelics or anything like that, but I'm like, he gets it if he kind of gets Kubrick, that's a that's an in, if you want to put it mm-hmm. that way. So um I do appreciate you coming on, giving us your time and always your energy, having your me. insights. For sure, dude. Like I said, you're you're uh I kind of feel like a Pokemon collector and I'm like, that's a rare Pokemon. Like, oh god, <laughs> like holy shit. Like we get these, you know, squirtles all the time, but this it's is a fun like call. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, thanks for coming oh, on, you're Raphael. Too kind. Uh or and uh, Wally. If you've got any parting thoughts, you know, spill the beans now.
0: Uh let's see. Hmm.
2: Okay. Don't um, worry; it's not an I, epitaph. It's not on the grave forever. Just for now. You've
0: probably already heard me mention this before, Jim, but it's always a fun little tidbit. Um, if you take the uh, Latin spelling of the tetragrammaton, I H V H, and you draw it as a mirror image, so it's H V H I H V H. It resembles anatomically correct human teeth. <clears throat> there you go. Right.
2: Well, work well, that, that out. There's one for the pipe kids. Put that in yeah. there. No, it's, it's
0: it's really it's really significant because the whole uh, Cadmian myth of the birth of the, the, the myth behind the birth of the alphabet is that it came from dragons' teeth. So letters are teeth, and it's right there in the name of God.
2: So, That's what's yeah, up. Yeah. We're gonna there have some, just on there's that some that food shit. for
0: thought right there. But thank well, you thank very you. much. This was extremely uh, enjoyable, uh, Raphael and Jim, both of you. I appreciate your time. Thank
1: you. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining. Looking very much forward to the next synchronized now, and of course, as always. Thanks to everyone for listening. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the ride, guys.